0: Coast-to-coast, coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey.
1: Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I'm your host, Alexis Downey. You are listening to episode 78, and thank you for tuning in today wherever you are listening to us from. The week is wrapping up here in Anaheim, and I have to tell you about yesterday because it was such an impactful day. We spent the day in Long Beach with Ducks employees and Kings employees doing a joint beach cleanup day. The sun was out. Perfect weather to be at the beach. And like I said, just a really impactful day ahead of the freeway faceoff next week when the Ducks close out the season. So no more home games this week for Anaheim as they're on the road this Saturday for their final road game of the season. taking on the Arizona Coyotes at 230 Pacific time at Mullet Arena. Little Saturday afternoon action. And there's gonna be a lot of hockey games on Saturday because there are none tonight, that being Friday. This is the Ducks' second trip to Mullet Arena this season, as they won the first back on January 24th. They also defeated the Coyotes back on Women in Sports Night, if you remember it, back on January 28th, when I was between the benches for that exciting overtime two to one win. So that leaves this last meeting with the coyotes on Saturday, a lot of success from the ducks in the previous two meetings. So hoping to see a repeat of that. And I'll have more on that matchup with today's guest later in the show, but looking at the last game that Anaheim played, it was Wednesday at Honda center against the Edmonton Oilers and the ducks fell three to one. But let's get to AD's takeaways, as it was certainly a pretty good game for the team. Troy Terry returned back to the lineup, as well as Adam Henrique, who had been out 19 games. So really good to have those two leaders back in the lineup. John Gibson did not play in the net as he was out with an illness, but Lukas Jostal took to the net to start. And like I said, it was a good showing by the team. I thought they did well in keeping pace with a very skilled Edmonton team. And they really limited the Oilers top guys from getting much. They kept Dreisaitl completely off the score sheet and McDavid only had one point. This was certainly an improvement from last weekend's game against Edmonton when the Ducks were shut out. And they only surrendered one power play opportunity for Edmonton, and they shut that one down. So that was good to see from the special teams. Troy Terry netted the only goal of the game for the Ducks in his return. And of course, Adam Henrique had an assist on that. So that was also a positive as they returned back to the lineup. Dostal saved 30 of 32 shots that he faced in the game, looking very poised against a talented Edmonton team. And the team was able to get some pucks on net as well as the Ducks had 28 shots. But now let's take a step back and look at the NHL as a whole and go coast to coast with goal calls from Thursday night, beginning with the Colorado Avalanche and San Jose Sharks. Colorado keeping up their win streak with a 6-2 win on the road. The team now has three wins in a row and are 8-2 in their last 10 games. Miko Rantanen tallied three goals in this one for a hat trick, his third of this NHL season, getting goals 50, 51, and 52 on the season, his first 50-goal season, and he would have four points on the night as he also tallied an assist. Now his third goal came 8:06 into the second period and extended Colorado's four-to-one lead, and you can hear Connor McGehee's call of the goal right now
0: and stick handling into the shark zone. Over for Taves, near side circle. Taves leaves it for McKinnon. Tap the back door. Rantanen, he scores! Throw the chapel. Miko Rantanen has three! And the dam has officially broken for the moose! Call the zookeeper because the moose is loose. He's got three on the night. A tap in at the back door. Goals number 50, 51, and 52 for Mika Rantanen. And Colorado has a 4-1 to one lead. Nathan McKinnon picks up another assist. And Colorado has completely taken over here in San Jose in the second period.
1: The St. Louis Blues found a way to overcome the New York Rangers on Thursday with a 3-2 overtime win. And St. Louis got ahead twice in the game, but the Rangers had answers for each of their goals. Vladimir Tarasenko had a goal for his first game against his former team in St. Louis, and that came in the third period. And it was Blues' Kasperi Kapanen, who was with Braden Shen, to net the overtime winner at 1:16 into the extra period of play, now the Blues might be out of the playoff picture with just 81 points in the West. But the loss added some distance for the Rangers in the Metropolitan standings, as now they are four points back of the New Jersey Devils. Chris Kerber has the call of the winner from Kapanen.
0: Falk stripped it, Justin. head headman's it by head Shen in with Kapanen wide open. Kapanen he scores. Center the Blues over the New York Rangers.
1: Gasparri Kapanen, the overtime game winner. And it was a historic night for the Seattle Kraken, who are just in their second season in the NHL as they clinched their very first ever spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs with their win on Thursday night, 4 2 over the Arizona Coyotes. Seattle had three unanswered goals through some of the second period before Arizona was able to get their first of the game. Now, 337 into the third period, Seattle's Maddie Beneers extended the Kraken's lead on a breakaway off a pass from Jordan Eberle. And then in the net, Philip Grubauer had 27 saves, his 16th win of the season. And if you look back to last year for Seattle's first year, the team only had 27 wins in their first year in the league. So now having 44 this year, pretty good improvement from year one to year two. And they have that wild card spot, the first one in the West with 96 points. Listen to the exciting goal from Everett Fitzhugh of the Seattle Kraken Audio Network. By
0: McCann, now Everly out to Maneers down the slot, scores! And the Seattle Kraken go up 4-1 early in period three. Super rookie Matty Beniers does it again. They throw it out to neutral. Will Borgen will send it back in behind the net. Venelka will play it from the depths of the standings in year one to the base of that playoff mountain in year two. The Seattle Kraken have placed their very first spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. here at home over Arizona. Your history-making Seattle Kraken with the NHL's largest point increase from season one to season two have just won their most important game to date. And the payoff is the playoffs.
1: Hey, Alexa, play that game-winning song. Come and get your love. And last up today for Coast to Coast, Pittsburgh's Tristan Jari stopped 27 of 28 shots from the Minnesota Wild and defeated them 4-1 on Thursday as Pittsburgh keeps their hopes for the playoffs alive. Chris Letang had the game's icebreaker in the first period, beating his old teammate goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury on a quick wrist shot, giving the Penguins the lead. And Letang has points in his last seven games against Minnesota now. And the loss was Minnesota's third straight, and they lost a little ground in the central division standings with those losses. Now Pittsburgh is just one point back of the Islanders and Panthers, who are tied with 89 points in the wild card race. Pittsburgh is looking for their 17th consecutive playoff berth. So they are really going to be pushing in these last couple games. Josh Getzoff shares the call of Letang's goal now.
0: Face off one by the Penguins. Crosby comes to Dumoulin across right side to Latang. Steps around, Felino. Wrist shot scores! Chris Latang picking the corner, short side on flurry. And the Penguins
1: strike first with 4.58 left in the first period. It's 1 0. Now, like I mentioned, there are no hockey games tonight, that being Friday. It's kind of weird because I don't remember the last time there was a day with no hockey on and we're going to see NHL history on Saturday instead when it's the first ever 16 game day in league history. It almost seems a bit excessive having every team in the NHL play. But that's the way it is, and the Ducks will be a part of that. And it's going to be a big day to help shape the playoff picture with some of those matchups. Just three more spots remaining, three more teams to clinch a spot. Now, the Dallas Stars reached the 100-point mark on the season on Thursday with their 4-1 win over the Philadelphia Flyers their 10th 100-point season in franchise history, and right now they're tied with Colorado with 100 points atop the Central Division. And then looking ahead to Saturday, it's going to be an important one for the Boston Bruins as they are just one win away from matching the highest win total in NHL history in a season. That would be 62. They play against the New Jersey Devils, so certainly a very good opponent to try to get a win against. Now, ahead of the Ducks' final road game of the season on Saturday, Matt McConnell joined the show today to talk about the team in the desert. Matt also shares how the Coyotes have adjusted to their new arena this year and who have been some of the leaders in the locker room this season. Take a listen. Joining Light the Lamp now is Bally Sports Arizona play-by-play for the Arizona Coyotes' Matt McConnell. Matt, thank you so much for joining us and taking some time out of your master's viewing to be here. How's your morning going?
0: Uh, late one in from Seattle last night, Alexis. 3.15, the head hit the pillow. Up at 9, ready to go on uh, Light the lamp.
1: <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Like I said, because I, I can imagine you're a little tired this morning.
0: <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, we, um, we, we didn't do the game last night, but we kind of hung around in Seattle for a few days because it was a weird schedule. They played, mm-hmm. they played up there Monday and then they played again on Thursday and we did the Monday game, but we didn't do the Thursday because it was an ESPN stream game last night. And we're like, ah, we'll just hang around the city, go to a couple of baseball games. Probably should have come home on Tuesday, but that's a whole nother story.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask about that really unique schedule. Spending quite a few days in Seattle, two games in four days, and then also you guys play the Kraken again next week, but at home this time too. Sort of an interesting way to end your season.
0: Really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're the last team that's rolling into the mullet, and um, we, you know, for us from a from a broadcast standpoint. We didn't do either game last year in Seattle, so we we went actually almost two years without calling a game up at Climate Pledge, and they've done a great job up there. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the facility is incredible. Um, I ran into uh, uh, Mr. LeWicky walking in yesterday, and we were talking about it a little bit. And what what I love about the what they've done up there is is Climate Pledge Arena just it just kind of blends right into the neighborhood there in Seattle. So they should be proud. Their entertainment's incredible uh, pregame and and during the game. So um, it was fun to see what they've been able to do uh, up there.
1: I haven't gotten up to see the arena yet, but I've heard really nice things about it.
0: It's beautiful. Like it's beautiful. Like the two scoreboards. I was thinking, I don't, I don't know about that, mm-hmm. but, but man, it works. It really works. And they actually hired the, um, the, the person that runs the in arena entertainment was with us here in Arizona for about five or six years. Uh, his name's Lamont Buford. He does a terrific job and the Kraken hired them, uh, or hired him when, when they were, um, just starting up and Lamont's done a, just a wonderful job with, you know, all the great bells and whistles they have in a brand new arena. So it's, um, it it was fun to watch last night.
1: Well, with the coyotes season this year, it's the first year in mullet arena. And I was wondering how the atmosphere has been this year and how the team has adjusted to the new place.
0: You know what, Alexis? It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it, it's so unique. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first game uh, was against Winnipeg. And then we had a right after that, we had a bunch of original six teams coming in, like the Rangers and Boston and eventually Montreal was there. And And I, it, it's it, it's just a real unique experience. I, I tell a lot of um, a lot of my counterparts that come through there. If if anybody knows the movie Mystery Alaska, when the Rangers went up and played outdoor games in Alaska against local teams, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it almost has that feel because here you are in granted a beautiful a, a beautiful college hockey facility that Arizona State plays out of, um, but albeit it's you know it's not it's not an NHL rink, so you know you have this quaint intimate atmosphere with a low ceiling and 13 rows of seats mm-hmm. and you almost get that mystery Alaska feel right because it's like is this really happening mm-hmm. um it's crazy and I um you know I tell all my my counterparts around the league that you're never going to be closer because you're 13 rows off the ice and it's almost um it, it, I, I think it's almost uh, uh been a, a kind of a break in the in the routine for mm-hmm. teams coming to Broadcasters and players and everything else. The ice is phenomenal. They say it's the best ice in the NHL, but just the overall experience and the intimacy and the fact that the fans are right on top of you. It's, um, it, it's been really good and it's been a good transitional vehicle for hopefully what's down the road.
1: And I can imagine from the broadcast perspective, being so close to the game while you're calling it probably helps a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think my old eyes have gotten better <laughs> being so close. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it's it's amazing too, because when you're down that low, when you're calling a game, the speed. Is incredible. Now I know that when we were in Anaheim, you were between the benches for our game <laughs> yep. uh, with, uh, with 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 Ducks Radio, and I would imagine that you felt the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so fast. Yep. Um, now, if you're calling a game in Edmonton where you're halfway to Red Deer, or you're <laughs> calling a game in Pittsburgh where you're halfway to Buffalo or Erie, um, it's it's a lot different. But it's it, it's just been a lot of fun, and it's it's been a it's been kind of a nice diversion too.
1: Well, looking at where the Coyotes are with their season right now, they're on a little bit of a skid, but overall, what has your perspective been of the growth of the group this year?
0: Yeah, they're, they're coming down the stretch, Alexis, not the way that I don't, you know, any of us wanted them to, to, to come down the stretch. They've lost, I believe it's eight in a row, either eight or nine in a row going into the game against uh, Anaheim. Uh, they made a lot of strides. They, they had a, they've had two extended multiple point streaks. In fact, prior to this losing streak, they had, they had nine straight with a point. So, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen the emergence of Barrett Hayton, who's been really good on a line with Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. We've seen the emergence of Matthias Michelli who's uh, played a lot this year with Jack McBain, a, a kid from Boston College, and Lawson Krause, who's been around the league and uh, has a chance to get to 30 goals here, to, you know, in the last few games. Probably not, but but still has an opportunity. So there are pieces there. On the back end, there's there's been some additions with Yusuf Alamaki. Um, we, we got him from Calgary. He has, I think, elevated his game. And he's given, he's been given an opportunity to play, right? He, mm-hmm. he didn't, he didn't Play very much when he was up with Daryl Sutter in Calgary, JJ Moser, another young defenseman that that the team's pretty high on. So so there are pieces, right? There mm-hmm. they're just there just aren't enough pieces right now. Um, and some of the pieces that are in the pipeline, are doing pretty well. Uh, Logan Cooley uh, has an opportunity to win the Hobie Baker this weekend. Uh, His Minnesota Golden Gophers have had a great season. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's playing on a line in college with a kid by the name of Matthew Nyes, who's a Detroit or a, a Toronto prospect, but a kid from Scottsdale. So it just kind of shows what um, you know the development of, of of hockey players in the desert has become over the last uh, several years. But there are definitely pieces, and and I think I think between the pipes, there are th- there's an opportunity as well. Karel Vamelka's been pretty good most of the year. They picked up Connor Ingram from Nashville early on in the year, and I think Connor's been as good as any goaltender that we've had since Christmas, you know, he's, he's gotten his bearing. So, so there are pieces there. It's just a matter of there, there needs to be a few more and, you know, Bill Armstrong, the general manager, I think he's got 22 picks in the next three years over the first three rounds. So wow.
1: that's a lot. Uh, yeah.
0: There, yeah. There's, I, I doubt he'll pick that uh, pick all of them, <laughs> use all of those picks, but, um, uh certainly he's done a nice job of of kind of restocking the shelves if you will and and um you know you you're two of probably a 5 year rebuild but but it's going along pretty well and and they are making strides
1: now with all of that draft stock that the team has i mean some of it has been acquired going back to the trade deadline even And I know that such a big storyline over the last year or even more than that has been Jacob Chikrin and where he would eventually end up. But how has the team been in the locker room since the trade deadline with all of the changes that have happened?
0: Well, I I think they've been fine. It's funny because right after the trade deadline, we we really thought that the team, you know, would would struggle. Right. Because Mm -hmm. Nick Stad was a really good player. Jacob Chikrin was a really good player. They moved some good quality veterans. Um, Troy Stetcher ended up going to Calgary. They, you know, they, so, so they, 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 they moved on from s- several players that had impacts. Shane Gostisbehere, I can't forget him. He, he was, um, he was terrific, especially mm-hmm. on the power play. But right after the trade deadline happened is pretty much when they went on that nine game point streak. So <laughs> go figure, right. You just, right. you know, and, and that's the thing, um, you know, a lot of people talked about, you know, the whole tanking aspect of, uh, you know, and and we're all kind of in that, in that, in that boat, right, Alexis? Yes. We're all kind of you know, wondering <laughs> what's going to happen in the draft. Uh, but, but I think what happened is, you know, the players want to, the players want to win, the coaches want to win, they're, they're in the locker room, they're, you know, they they don't want to lose, they, they, they're playing for contracts, right? They're playing for extensions, they're playing for their livelihood. Mm-hmm. And I just think it shows Two things. I, I I think it shows that the collection of players that, that are in that room uh have a lot of character. And I and I also think it shows just how good of a coach Andre Turini really is. He's he's done a phenomenal job. He's got a big hockey Canada background. Um I would be shocked if he's not involved with Team Canada's team at the um uh their their entry at the World Championships. I, I'd be shocked. Um, So he, he deserves a lot of the credit. He's kept him motivated. He's kept him hungry. And, um, and and that's had a, that's had an impact on the group.
1: In knowing all of that character in the locker room, who have been the leaders this season?
0: Well, I think, um, I think early on it was, it was Shane Goss to spare. I think, um, you know, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz obviously are, Mm -hmm. are, our, our leaders based on the way they play and in the ba- base just based on the fact that they've taken those additional steps in their development. Lawson Krause is another player who's uh, been in the organization, just a real a, a real good hockey player and a real good person off the ice. In fact, you know, last year when he signed his extension, he said, you know, I want to be part of the solution here. I don't I don't mm-hmm. want to go in, there. and that that was really refreshing. So so there are players that have been around. There are players that I think understand the the route this team is taking, and um, you know, and it's it's been a it's been a tough goal over the last few years since they you know qualified for the playoffs in the bubble. So um, there there are definitely leaders there. Um, I, I just think it's a case of of the of the organization just needing more additional you know additional pieces to to kind of push along this rebuild.
1: The last meeting between the Ducks and Coyotes was back in January in Anaheim and certainly a lot transpired in that game. We already mentioned it a little bit as I was between the benches, but what are you going to be looking for in this meeting on Saturday between the two teams?
0: Well, I, I, think, um, I, I think anytime you get to this part of the year, Alexis, and we've only got three games left over here on our schedule, they're all at home. Uh, I, I'm going to be looking at, at the players that want to be in the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the motivation, the and, – and, and, you know, they were not very good Monday night in Seattle. They had a very good start last night. They played much better. They were much more engaged. Uh, they they ended up losing 4-2 Thursday night, but they, you know, they, they, they were well represented, and, and they had good stretches. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to see – you know, just kind of see how, what their mindset is. And, 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 and I'm, sh- you know, look, everybody's always watching, right. You mm-hmm. know, the coaches are always evaluating, the general manager sitting up in the box is always evaluating. And I'm sure it's the same for the docs, you know, who, you know, who's, who's going to put forth the effort, who's going to try to lead the group. And so I think it might, you know, it in, a, in, a, in its own, own way, it might, you know, set up for a pretty spirited game.
1: And lastly, before I let you go, for those that don't know, Matt is also a Michigan State Spartan like myself. So I have totally. to ask you, go white, I have to <laughs> ask you what your thoughts were on the way March Madness played out for our Spartans. I personally thought they did a little better than I even expected them to in my bracket.
0: Yeah, my, <laughs> um, my bracket was shredded, I think, uh, <laughs> at tip-off on Thursday, the first day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my expectations were, were pretty much no expectations. Mm-hmm. I think the cavalry, you know, this Alexis, the cavalry comes in the fall. They get a lot of uh, players coming in with that great recruiting class and, um, and, uh, we'll be, I, I think we're going to be okay. I, um, you know, maybe I'm a little more worried about more worried about football right now than I did past- <laughs> I I yeah. it's, it's like this, it's mm-hmm. up and down. Um, and, and just real quick, um, you know, my roots are in Anaheim, first radio broadcaster mm-hmm. in Anaheim. Loved it out there. Um, don't know how many people are still around from the 93-94 <laughs> season and, and, and so on and so forth. But uh, it was a great time. And it's, uh, it's really cool being on your show. It's, th- this is awesome. This is full circle for me.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm really happy to have you because you've certainly been a part of my journey to get here as well, too.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, Alexis. <laughs> and uh, keep, uh, keep doing great stuff.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. I said it already. I'm here to remind you one more time. Ducks versus Coyotes Saturday afternoon at 2.30, the final road game of the year. You can listen to it right here on DuckStream. Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster. Pre-game show beginning at 2 p.m. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next week for more Hockey Talk on DuckStream as the Ducks finish out the rest of their season. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.